The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. You are now muted. <laughs> Okay, this talk is titled Beyond Learning to Code, How Tech Learning Collective Merges IT Training with Emancipatory Political Action, and, we will be, and will be presented by members of the Tech Learning Collective, an apprenticeship-based technology school for radical leaders. Founded and operated exclusively by radical queer and femme technologists, they offer and low-cost computer classes on topics ranging from fundamental computer literacy to hacking techniques drive their holistic approach to IT education, which is creating communities of activist sysadmins out of people who wouldn't otherwise have called themselves techies, opening the world of free people who apply its advance to their other liberatory goals. Turn it over to Ortiz. Thanks so much uh, for that intro. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much um, for uh, coming to our talk. If you have any trouble just um, you know hearing, obviously just throw that into the IRC chat room and, and, and our wonderful our wonderful uh, tech uh, team from FSF is going to help us out. Um, uh, I am um, representing Tech Learning Collective uh, today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, why we're doing what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing in the way that we're doing it and why it may be different than what you might expect. Um, this talk is called Beyond Learning to Code. In large part because one of the things that's unique about Tech Learning Collective is that we don't really teach coding per se. Uh, we teach a lot of IT infrastructure, and um, that this, of course, overlaps with learning to code, but it's not it's not the same thing. And so, um, likewise, if you have any questions, please throw those into the chat um, as you have them. Um, and I hope that by the end of this, what I, I want to leave you with is a, a different way of thinking about what would be useful to do today in your personal life as an individual or as uh, someone who is you know, maybe part of an affinity group, uh, part of a, a small community group, small neighborhood group, um, small PTA group, small education group, small club, small, you know, something on a scale that is sort of more immediate to your personal life that, um, uh, that, that will materially impact and improve uh, the situations that you find yourself in and the situation that you find your loved ones in. Um, that's sort of really where our focus lies. And so to start that off, to start that conversation off, um, I kind of want to just um, begin uh, this uh, um, notion of right, talking about like why care about uh, technology in the first place, right? There's a lot of people who have technology interests for many, many different reasons. Um, there's fun hobbies and curiosity, right? Just kind of like casual interest. 
there's um, a lot of people who need to care about technology for their livelihood, right? It's part of their job, part of their work, um, something that they feel is going to help them become more capable than they currently are. So there's individual capability, right? And then, of course, there's that Silicon Valley slogan, right? Make the world a better place. It has this sort of utopic vision of all the things that can be improved with uh, with better technology. And if we just have the right tools, you know, everything will be fine and wonderful. And um, and so we like to say that this is sort of the uh, techno-capitalist uh, view of what how, how things are, are happening, right? Most people, right, in Silicon Valley uh, like to say that they're making the world a better place. It's literally a TV show right, that you can watch, a, a Mike Judge production, Silicon Valley, that jokes about this throughout five very, very incredibly ridiculous seasons. Um, what Silicon Valley and tech companies tend to actually be doing, though, in our view, right, is making it possible for individuals to get a job. And that's fine. There's nothing particularly wrong with that. Um, it's just that it's not really um, what they claim to be doing largely. Um, of course, what most people, and I don't mean to, to, to suggest that most people here, but I mean most people writ large in the world, right, want to do with technology in uh, large part is that it's a curiosity. We're not necessarily sure what to do with technology. It's just that there's some cool things and it's of interest. So it can be a fun weekend project. And how many times have you had someone, you know, uh, or know of someone perhaps who bought a Raspberry Pi for a weekend project, but then never really got around to the weekend project. You know what I mean? So all these things are really happening to some degree or another, um, but it's important to sort of identify what people think that they're doing, not just what they say that they are doing. Um, in contrast, right, our sort of view of the same thing is this is sort of uh, what we actually aim to do is make the world an actually better place. And again, this is why I started by talking about like what does that mean with respect to your personal life, right? That's a that's a place to start that is a little bit more understandable than the larger scale of the whole world. Um, it is also true that if you come through to TLC, Tech Learning Collective, right, you will gain capabilities that you might not have had before because you will be exposed to technologies that you might not have seen. You will have um, an opportunity to learn from uh, mentors and, and people with uh, some more experience than perhaps you have about technologies that you don't necessarily know as much about. And that can, of course, result in, for example, getting a job um, or other things. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, that's also part and parcel of the community aspect to it. So we at TLC, right, find technology fun in and of itself, but we find it primarily useful as a medium to do something else. In other words, we're less interested in optimizing our database queries to the nanosecond level, right, than we are in having a database because what that means is a materially different reality for someone um, uh, it, regarding you know, what they would like to do uh, than if they didn't have that same capability that technology provides. So that's why we care about it. So we have these two primary missions at TLC, TLC being the technology school, right? Um, one is to simply provide meaningful technology education to underserved communities. And in brief, what we mean by that is that in a grandiose vision, we do not believe that a humane society should uh, require you to do any kind of labor for the privilege of having a livelihood in all the ways that I mean that word. You should not have to work to be able to have food if that work is for somebody else, right? You should have an autonomous uh, 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 life, uh, free to make your own choices in all the ways that freedom means. And that means at a grand scale, it means that we are working towards hopefully, you know, seeing a world where we can abolish the idea of employment as a prerequisite for survival in the first place. It also means, of course, that that's a pretty far off vision. 
and we're not, uh, you know, uh, unrealistic about how far away that necessarily is. And so right now, right, um, by necessity and perhaps at an individual level, it means that we want to try to enable this immediate material improvement in people's lives, students' lives in our case, um, and of course the lives of, you know, the people who, who are involved in their communities. Um, importantly, that means that we have to do this in a way that doesn't rely or require the cooperation of existing capital, like large companies, like state uh, and local regulators, uh, um, because those are uh, institutions primarily born from a status quo, and obviously abolishing employment is a radical departure from the status quo. <laughs> and so what that means is we have to, you know, survive in a world where the status quo is not aligned with our goals. So we have to not require or rely on that, on that work. Um, the other primary goal for TLC, the secondary objective, right, is to fund existing community-owned technology projects that are built and maintained and, and implemented, right, for radical social good. And what we mean by that is that we want to materially support. So that means either with money or with hardware or with, you know, people's uh, skill and time, uh, the projects that are doing the, the, the political work that we find valuable. So this is, for example, hardware, right, as I said, for physical infrastructure installations. I can talk a little bit about some examples of that later on. Um, the operating costs, right, from, uh, from proceeds of, of workshops and courses that we teach. Um, and then, of course, we're trying to do this in a way where we're also able to survive in the existing system, uh, which means that we're trying to avoid the construction uh, through our process of any kind of exploitative volunteering arrangements, and which means that everyone who is involved in a, in a, in a, in a uh, you know, in a serious time committed way is, is being paid for their time uh, when they when they are involved in TLC. That means teachers um, and marketing staff and so on and so forth. So those are sort of the two primary two primary goals there. And this can kind of all be summed up right by this idea that there is a lot of work that needs to be done to right parentheses make the world a better place. But most of that work cannot be done quote at work right. You cannot change the world in the 30 minutes that you have for lunch. So that's sort of the that's the challenge. In a super view, uh, zoomed out view, this is kind of where we see this happening. This is kind of how we see the potential for change starting. This is called what we call the Tech Learning Collective flywheel. Ironically enough, this is actually a business concept invented or at least popularized by Jeff Bezos of Amazon. And the idea is simply that there is a value, right, that we offer that we can feed into other values that already exist elsewhere that once we um, take advantage of, we can continue to feed into this circular process that starts this so-called flywheel effect that while it takes a lot of energy to sort of begin to make this happen, once the flywheel is moving, it sort of, it, its own momentum continues the process of getting things uh, further and further, uh, further along. So in our case, right, in the case of TLC, you know, we are a school, we use free software Right. And in using free software, right, it means that we can offer the same things as a lot of other schools with lower financial costs, but it also means that we enable our students to do things with a lot lower financial costs. It also means that we potentially have more accessible tools, right? In both cases, that, that, that combination drives student enrollment, just drives engagement with our courses and course and material, um, which means that, of course, we can create more courses and workshops from that and feed that back into TLC, which again, is then the supportive of both as users and in some cases as contributors to some free software projects, which then drives lower financial costs and onwards and onwards, right? But it also means that we have this opportunity after creating an alumni network and a, a set of uh, 
folks who, who have a shared uh, baseline understanding of the technology that we're using, right? To construct and to offer right, hyperlocal infrastructure projects and um, other uh, community work, uh, benefits of how, for example, um, right, uh, they can do the things that they want to see done, that they can advocate for their own goals. What that means is that we can create political impact, right, from a grassroots level, which of course will also be using and supporting the free software movement, which means that we've got lower financial costs to drive student engagements, to drive workshops, to get more hyperlocal infrastructure projects and onwards and onwards. And so this in a nutshell, right, is basically the 10,000 foot vision of why we think that starting from an infrastructure school, which I'm gonna talk about a little bit more in just a minute, rather than a coding school, we can actually enable this in a way that if we start on the other side, like a coding school, right? Uh, you end up actually supporting a status quo instead of uh, resisting it. So let's dig into this a little bit more, right? Like what are the viable components that we're talking about here? First of all, you have at TLC a bunch of these things called practice labs. I mean, this is not a super big surprise. Every, every you know, anytime that you're learning something, you're gonna wanna play around with it hands-on perhaps, right? And so for us, what that means is that we build it on GNU Linux. We build it on um, uh, repeatable infrastructure that we can create as infrastructure as code. Uh, two examples of that are, you know, locally install virtual, virtual box, um, use Vagrant to automate it. Uh, these are DevOps tools primarily used in the industry for development operations, right, style work, but we use it for education. We also, of course, have our own infrastructure, uh, primarily built as IAC, um, which in some cases we share um, with other groups who want to do something similar. Primarily, this means Ansible, Terraform. We also uh, host internal services, primarily over Onion services, uh, to collaborate internally. So we have our own sort of internal calendars uh, running free software uh, implementations, CalDAP servers, basically. We have um, uh, some file servers, again, all behind Onion services, actually authenticated Onion services in most cases, because uh, we can use IAC infrastructure as code to uh, automate a lot of the processes around adding or removing members and giving them appropriate access permissions and so on and so forth. Um, the hyperlocal infrastructure projects I mentioned, just very briefly, right, there's a, we, we were started in about 2015 or so in New York City, uh, sort of got a boost after the November 2016 election for reasons. Um, and uh, the core group of us sort of dispersed into a number of other projects around uh, New York City, primarily at the time. And what that means, right, is that um, we now have connections to these hyperlocal infrastructure projects or other sort of groups um, that are doing things in and around New York City. Um, and again, this is sort of comes back to that alumni community and that flywheel effect, right? So what they're doing can then feed into other groups and so on and so forth. Um, from there, right, as alumni share uh, uh, visions with one another and they experience this sort of alternate approach to empowering technologies, then we create more possibility for mentors, which creates more possibility for apprentices and then onwards and onwards to that effect. Hope that makes sense. So when considering a school, right, there are a lot of ways one can go about learning um, because the whole point of a school is a place to learn, right? And so the model that we take here is that um, we are not trying to be the be all and end all of everything. We are trying to be one of several options. Here's a different couple ways of, of thinking about what those options are. We have this sort of uh, um, infographic here where goal oriented is on one axis uh, and the opposite of that is exploratory. Unstructured versus guided is the other access. Uh, and the idea here is that we are sort of both goal oriented and guided, right? So what we are kind of competing against, but more just trying to be an alternative to you, I should say, is 
a boot camp or university model of education, which is the other sort of goal-oriented and guided approach to learning a lot of technology things that you probably have seen computer science courses, uh, you know, uh, uh, Turing School, Flatiron General Assembly, you know, code boot camp, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, we're not really trying to be um, an alternative to things like Hackfests and social clubs and read a Wikipedia articles and stuff. We think those are great and wonderful ways to learn if you have the sort of, uh, you know, uh, personality for it. But for a lot of people, goal-oriented and guided learning is both familiar and also uh, into a lot of expect right um, uh, is is sort of the more the more the thing that they would like to uh, to uh, to spend their time on, especially synchronous time right when you're with a human as well. So if we can zoom in on that a little bit, like what is what is it makes it what makes us different than, for example, the boot camp and the university model. And to talk about that, I'd like to sort of introduce this idea right where we have here this um, sort of uh, trapezoidal shape where we think this is how we think about learning. Here are all the possible things that you can learn, right? And at the very base of this trapezoid, we have these concepts, these foundational pieces of understanding that sort of are, are relevant regardless of which specific technology you use, right? Um, above that, we have competencies, which are skills with specific tools or familiarity with a shared culture in those tools. And you have, of course, capabilities, which are these higher level abilities uh, to, to do things with those skills. And this sort of runs the gamut between things that can be fun for for hobbies, right, all the way through to mutual aid and political activism. And in the middle there, there's this sort of like individualistic, uh, you know, idea of like, well, I need to get a job. And this is not, again, this is not a, a, an all-encompassing uh, view. This is, this, is an, this is an example. So let's fill this area, right, with things that we learn at TLC. And so if we start with just filling in some of the concepts that we talk about, right, you'll notice that there are some things that are probably very familiar to a lot of, you know, highly technical people. Right. There are things like the physical networking of the OSI layer uh, of, of the OSI model of the of, of, of internet networking. Right. There are things like, for example, censorship and anti uh, censorship, right, circumvention tools, anonymity, privacy. Right. But there's also stuff like, for example, hypermedia and nonlinear writing. Right. Which is, we think, a concept foundational to, for example, the internet and the web in particular, the hyperlink. Right. That isn't exactly teaching about the web, there were things that predated HTML, for example, that discussed hypermedia nonlinear writing that are useful to know about that were not, that are not necessarily taught if you go to, for example, a code bootcamp that immediately introduces you to the next, you know, the newest version of the Rails framework, as an example. And all of this stuff is what we consider, right, the foundational pieces of the things that we're learning. And we really take a lot of time and, and, and focus on making sure that these things are, are discussed as first class um, citizens, if you will, of a, of a, of a curriculum. So from there, once you understand that, you know, these things are things that you can learn, right, you can start utilizing specific tools and technologies to implement your understanding of these things. So, for example, cloud APIs, right, or HTML and CSS and JavaScript, or, you know, GPG and password managers and how to use virtualization and the command line and GNU Linux and infrastructure and all this sort of stuff, right? We don't really necessarily have too much of a, of a you know, puritanical view, per se, of, like, what you should do here. We care more about here. And the reason for this, right, is because if you understand hypermedia and nonlinear writing, then you have a much better approach or you have a much better way of uh, approaching any single one of these things. Git, for example, right, is sort of a nonlinear way of writing a history about a project. But HTML has links, which is sort of a, you know, the introduction to like wikis, which is both of these are sort of ways to do nonlinear things. That makes sense. And then, of course, once you have some skill in one or more or several of these technologies, right, then you can actually do meaningful things in your life, like share or explore or publish or collaborate or advocate, right, or be a leader, create some self-direction. And finally, of course, you know, 
um, act collectively with others who also have similar skills and visions and appropriation and, and like appropriate uh, views about about uh, you know where they're where they how they are imbuing the acts that they take with the values that they have. So if you look at this sort of way that we approach this curriculum building idea, right, and you compare this with, for example, right, like for example, a code bootcamp, or like for example, university course, most of which are trying to get you to, you know, be employable. What you see is that there's a much larger vision about what it is a student needs and what supports a student needs in a guided and goal-directed way to actually accomplish those larger things than a code bootcamp actually provides, right? That smaller trapezoid is where the book code bootcamp focuses its energy. And you can see that we as a tech learning collective, right, have started from a much more foundational place and have ended up with a much broader view of what's possible for students because we started out at that much more foundational place. So just as another comparison, right, the other part of it is price. Um, I know someone right now who's trying to uh, engage with a code bootcamp and the, 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 unfortunately they, they want to but can't because it's just too expensive. Um, in their case, it's even more expensive than this. Uh, and this was shown on the slide about $1,400. This is a data, this is data based on the sampling of coursereport.com's best boot camps for 2020. In contrast, Tech Learning Collective courses, uh, if you're taking the course, right, is um, literally an order of magnitude less expensive. It's like, and if you take standalone workshops for just particular things, right, like that's even less expensive. So part of the, the, the point here is that, that this comes back to that flywheel where the things that we're doing um, and the way that we're doing it allows us to do stuff in a much, much, much less expensive way that will uh, provide a lot more accessibility to a lot more, a lot more people. This is, of course, in, particularly important for um, women who are bearing the brunt of, for example, child caring, um, uh, you know, uh, requirements uh, or, or um, you know, things during the pandemic, and, and, and all the, all the, you know, all that shit that rolls downhill. Excuse me. Um, the other thing that's unique about us is that, um, you know, we started this as a political project, not a school, and so we were very, very mindful from the get-go about like who are we teaching and what do they want to do with what we're teaching. And um, what that sort of has resulted in is an approach that has, as you can see from this um, slightly now dated um, uh, uh, internal survey, um, is that we end up getting a lot more repeat uh, students, in other words, people who come to one workshop and then a second and then a third and the fourth and so on, right, um, who are on the sort of like femme of center spectrum uh, in, the, in the gender identity uh, than the masculine of center uh, uh, sort of side of that spectrum. Um, and this is, you know, as for the industry at large is kind of unheard of, for a school in particular also kind of unheard of, which we're very proud about. Um, the other thing that's different right, is that we provide this through an apprenticeship-based learning experience rather than a sort of rote, um, uh, rote uh, memorization or like task-based learning experience. And what that means is that the people who are um, uh, teaching are actually expert teachers, not just expert subject matter like not just experts on the subject matter that they are teaching. Um, for us, what that means is that every TLC instructor was a TLC student in the past, right? And on top of that, that every TLC instructor is actively involved, right, in the uh, other projects that TLC is sort of like a sister organization about. Um, it also means that the teachers themselves, right, are doing this in a particular style. It is not a lecture approach. It is not a, you know, sit and watch the presentation, um, unlike actually what we're doing right now where you have slides, right? In classes, it's really live so that there are no recorded, pre-recorded uh, materials. Everything is live in that, in that screen share, that, you know, sharing of, the, of, a, of, a, of a terminal um, uh, together. And what that means is that you're actually doing a lot more kinetic things than you would otherwise. The other thing that's different is that we try to learn together. Right, so you learn from experts, but you learn together after the fact and with that expert. 
And so what that means is that we have this sort of series of uh, ways of getting more and more involved in the school that starts with maybe just a public workshop, but that can continue through, for instance, uh, a set of um, a, a sequence, uh, a, like a curated sequence of classes that we call cohorts that are, that is what make up a, a, a particular run of a course. And then once you have sort of gone through that run of a course, right, the next step if you want to continue being engaged with is, for example, the uh, alumni learning community where there are a bunch of clubs and other groups that uh, have dispersed out of tech learning collectives um, sort of baseline um, um, course material. And so that 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 both gives people an on-ramp that sort of like lets them dive as deeply as they want, but not deeper. And that means that they can much more quickly move from learning about something technical to doing the thing that they want in the physical world or in the real world, in the political impact, uh, uh, in the political sphere even, based on what it is um, that they want to do. So this is sort of like, I, I want to leave a lot of time for, for discussion because I realize this is maybe a, a larger issue, but I wanted to just sort of highlight some things that uh, some students have said about TLC so far. And I just want to sort of point at those sort of differences, right? Like, so one, 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 one student, Chantel, who was a computer science undergrad, right, says that the amount I'm, I'm learning in Tech Learning Collective workshops is way more than what I was learning in my college classroom. And the reason I want to highlight this is because this is in combination with the fact that Tech Learning Collective workshops and courses are shorter. In other words, you spend less time in TLC classes but you still end up learning way more than you might in, for example, a university course or, for example, um, a code bootcamp. The other thing I want to highlight is someone uh, named Snow who said, uh, this class was immensely valuable, right? And this is the big point, changed my core beliefs about my technological proficiency and potential. And what I want to highlight in this is this idea that a lot of people who would otherwise be very involved with these sorts of um, technologies just for personal projects, just for, um, you know, things that they want to see done in the world, um, aren't not because we need, for example, necessarily better tools and better documentation, although of course we do need all these things, everything can be made better all the time, but rather because they have through, whether it be systemic uh, impacts, uh, you know, caused by inequalities out in the world or, or just sort of preconceived notions about maybe earlier technologies that they've encountered, right, this belief about themselves that an environment that is more social, that is more supportive, that is more um, apprenticeship-based, as we say, right, actually changes how they view themselves in that world, and that makes it more possible for them to do all those things that we talked about, uh, that we want to see people, you know, change, lead, and collaborate, and share, and explore, and all that sort of stuff. So that, that, that is, a, you know, getting this kind of, this, getting this feedback is really, really meaningful to us. And so again, back to this, right, back to this um, flywheel, um, for us right now, right, through primarily necessarily individual impact because of where we are in this, in this, in this, uh, in this process, um, you know, we are trying to do this by offering the sort of alternative to the rush to employment, right, way of learning about uh, technology. Where, for example, right now, if you go to a lot of code boot camps, you are almost introduced to the technology as though the current technology is the beginning of history for that technology. There's not really a lot of discussion, right, about where terms came from, what the history was of a given technology, right, why that's important. And for us, right, starting that way gives you a narrative that you can then see yourself not necessarily as simply memorizing a bunch of facts or learning a bunch of sort of like, you know, standard operating procedures for how to actually take, uh, you know, a command line and then end up with a website, but it lets you create in your mind almost a story, right, of what happened before you arrived, what's going on now. And importantly, because it's a story, 
and you have now the tools to write the next chapter, you can actually understand where you've come from, understand how you fit into what is exact, what, what's happening now, understand the forces that are, that are at play um, uh, uh, in, in, for example, the job market or in, for example, just the free software movement generally, and then have the capability, right, of taking that metaphorical pen and defining what you want to see as the next chapter about it. And so that, that's, that's, that's it for my presentation part. I would love, love, love to see uh, uh, questions. I have a lot of things I could say about this, but I wanted to distill this down to just those, th those main ideas, because I'm really hoping that this um, is at least intriguing to some people. Um, and I'm sure that I, I probably didn't cover everything. Um, almost intentionally. And so if you have questions, that would be a, a, a great time to sort of uh, let me know uh, about what you're more curious about, what you want to hear more about. And then the rest of this can really just be, right, talk and um, um, talk and discussion. Yeah, so we have a little over 15 minutes left. Uh, great. We have some Perfect. really great questions. Uh, Noisy2 asked, uh, talking about the FEM of center and mask of center, uh, what, do, what do you mean by of center? Uh, oh, and yeah. Why is it a good thing? that they're not equal? Like, why, why do you see that as a positive? Yeah, good point. So of center basically just means, right, like um, uh, the, 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 this is a bit of gender theory 101, and so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but to answer the question, right, the notion of having simply um, men and women in the world, right, a, a binary a gender dynamic where you have a male and a female, um, and that's all you can ever be, right, uh, creates this, uh, literally binary right view you have a either you know it's either a one or a zero right like i mean literally i think if the i the uh there was some i uh i think it was an it i wasn't not sure if it's an ietf standard or there's some standard that literally describes like you know gender representation in database and it's and it's uh you know one for a male a zero for female um and they explicitly say like we don't mean to to this to be any sort of like you know ranking system it's just that's how like you know this this binary field is decided to be stored but the point is is that that's not how people experience the world and so um the uh way to sort of add granularity to, to some of this right is to take that sort of binary notion of having two points or right, just you know one one bit that you can flip and then having it be instead a range a scale right from let's say instead of like you know zero to one and zero right you know the, zero to 100 as an example and so if in that you know schema right uh binary female is zero and uh binary male is 100 right then you have a center point 50 right which is um what you might have described before as androgynous or as sort of bi-gendered right or some other sort of mix of the two and so the idea is that um there is a uh that that's the point from which we from which we measure the sort of like relationship to back to binary gender, um, and as you saw, I think in the slide, I can go back to it even right. We basically were like, this is a guess. We didn't actually ask people, right? This is sort of a, uh, you know, a sort of a, a relatively, ad admittedly like in, imperfect and somewhat problematic, right? Like um, representation of what we made it, well, what we assumed based on people's, um, you know, self self. Uh, uh, you know, their own sort of like presented behaviors and such. The reason why it's good so that it's fine. not, sorry, go ahead. No, that's what I was just gonna ask about, you know, why Why do you see this as positive? Right, yeah, and so the reason we see this as positive is because the specific goal of TLC, right, is to affect change in the status quo. So if you imagine, so, it's, so the status quo right now is effectively flipped, right? Most companies in most technology um, uh, positions, right, for most companies uh, have primarily men or people who are masculine of center, right, in those roles. That is then replicated in 
all the schools that we're aware of, right? Let me look at the whole STEM, you know, uh, thing and so on. Um, uh, and so by seeing this breakdown be the opposite of the status quo to us, that signals that we are actually making inroads to the progress we want to see. And so we want this as skewed as possible with that respect without necessarily like, you know, like it's not like, you know, there's a course for femme of center people and a course for mask of center people because the material is, is, is the same. Um, but seeing this skew this way tells us that we're reaching the right people and that the, uh, which is to say the people who are not reached elsewhere, right? And that we're providing that avenue for people who don't have uh, as perhaps a safe or comfortable or just useful way of going about learning these things in existing paradigms through another alternative. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, Jack Hill. And I'm almost, thank you so much for asking question, Jack Hill. I'm also interested. How would one boost a new TLC organization, especially with the heavy emphasis on relationships with other organizations and alumni? Yeah, that's also a good question. So it's it's not so much that we are we are um, hoping to create a bunch of TLCs. Um, although if you wanted to, uh, you know, that would be you know more than welcome, right? Like the more people who are teaching this, the better. It's more that what we see our role as is providing a sort of anchor point, right? If you, if you imagine this as a literal flywheel, then that that center stick, right, that holds the flywheel together, that provides that anchor, is also a piece of the puzzle that you need. And so we are hoping instead is, what we are hoping to do is to inspire people to do projects around their abilities that they find important for their local communities. Um, and to have, and, and, and we want, I, I, particularly the people who, are doing those people who would not have otherwise approached those projects with, for example, the notion of, oh, I can self-host this particular service, or, oh, for example, I can create a service uh, that is, you know, um, relevant to the 10,000 people in my neighborhood as opposed to the 10 million people in my country, right? There's a lot of focus on scale as, as a marker of success. And what we're hoping to do is get people to think of success, not in the form of, you know, I've started a company that now serves 10 billion people, uh, I guess, 10 million people, 10, there aren't 10 billion people um, yet, um, but rather a marker of success being my life is now better and my spouse's life is better and my family's life is better in some material way. I have more time, I have more money, I have more ability to affect change in my local city council, that kind of thing, um, because I have more data to do it with, or I've presented, you know, uh, 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 information that I got, you know, from, from open data sources and this kind of stuff, um, using tools that perhaps we learned at TLC, like web scraping and so on, right? Um, that, that's the goal. Uh, that being said, if you like what we're doing and you wanna try it out too, do it. <laughs> like we're not, you know, we're not in any way precious about that. Um, but it does take a lot of existing relationships. Um, and, you know, um, it, it, it was specifically the affinity group that started around the 2015, 2016 sort of digital security stuff um, that began this particular iteration of, of TLC. I hope that answers the question. I think so. Seemed to me, at least. Uh, Dlib asks, "Where do your first cohorts come from?" I assume that's asking uh, about first-time attenders. Yeah, I guess that could be. There might be two questions in there. I'll, I'll answer both because I think both are interesting, right? So, back to the sort of like the slides around, like what are some people saying? What we actually find is that a lot of people coming to TLC are people who, for example, have some touch point with technology education, but have found it wanting. 
And that actually means that we have a lot of people um, signing up for workshops who are either sort of working in uh, nonprofits uh, or have taken sort of example, maybe they've gone to a crypto party, for instance, right? Um, but they didn't really do much after the crypto party, right? So they kind of learned about P uh, PGP and GPG, but then they didn't actually implement it. And so they come to one of our GPG workshops, right, to see it um, from another perspective. Or for example, they've gone to a code bootcamp. Actually, a lot of our um, workshop attendees um, were people who have gone through a code bootcamp and found themselves still unsure about the fundamentals of like what a computer is and why they would be interested in it and where did all this thing come from and like why is ethernet called ethernet right like in our description we talked about like why is ethernet like what, what is what is the gnostic influence of ethernet right and if you think about it if you go back in time uh to to the the notion of the ether right the notion of the ether was this gnostic uh superstition about a permeating force that connected all things very much like the force in like star wars or something and so when bob metcalf was creating ethernet right like that naming choice was important because he wanted to create a link layer um, networking protocol that would connect all digital things and so he called it the ether net right and so now we have ethernet and that's what that is, right? And so again, having that sort of like foundational understanding is not something that you get quite as, uh, as, as I think a lot of people would hope for from, for instance, a, a CCNA course, right? Because you're getting basically getting pelted with a lot of facts. And if you can memorize them, that's great. Um, but that's a much harder thing to do for humans um, because we're story-based and we, you know, like to connect things to metaphor and 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 ideology and uh, emotion, right? And sense, and so that's how we approach this the the, the pedagogy itself, um, which is different. So a lot of people are are, are people who have come from um, places where they would otherwise have been. They they know that they 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 know that this stuff exists, but they don't. But they also know that they don't actually know it as well as they'd like. So that's sort of the first question that could have been answered um, by that. The second question I think was maybe in there was, um, how did we start out? Right? Like, what was the first cohort for us? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and the short there's there's an about page on our website, which I'll point you to techlearningcollective.com/about, which talks about this a little bit. But um, the uh, Short answer to that question is basically we were a mutual self-education group that started in a bunch of anarchist-occupied spaces in New York City um, shortly before the 2016 presidential election. Um, somewhat involved with a number of, of different groups. And so a lot of us uh, have sort of deep history with uh, the activist left um, and um, decided that we just needed to be particularly good at this stuff. Some of us had more experience than others. Um, and so what that meant was that we started basically a uh, you know, semi-private education group. And over the course of several years, having done several projects, what we've discovered is that there is actually a repeatable way of sort of presenting this material and learning this material that is uh, much more likely to result in the kind of skill that we'd hope our comrades to have um, than, for example, learning through the black hole of, you know, videos, of, you know, or, or reading Wikipedia articles, um, or going through existing courses that are primarily geared towards employability as opposed to bluntly competency. Okay, uh, minutes left. Uh, let me see, oh, where was it? Uh, time flies. <laughs> yeah, Decentralize asks, uh, with the proliferation of, quote, free services like Signal Chats, Google Docs, etc., do you spend time on explaining why those things are not ideal before you can get into the, okay, let's fire up our own community server to do this? That's a great question. Um, yeah, the short answer is we do, but the longer answer is that it's not a distinct topic, right? We don't present free software as an alternative to anything. What we present it as is simply the best option that we currently have. And the 
reason for that is because it is the best option that we currently have. I don't think I need to tell this audience that thing. But the other reason for that is because by starting there, right, what we start with is a baseline that is always available regardless of what um, you are, you know, like I can walk up to any computer in, in, in the world and as long as it's running a free software operating system, right, where I have access to a command line on the internet, I know what to do and I can also then make use of that computer, that, of that, of that machine, right? That is not possible if I have to ask for permission anywhere else, right? And so, like, again, that metaphor that we put in the, in the, in the description, which is, you know, what good is your, what good is your pen if the paper that you're writing it, like, can refuse to show its ink, right? If you have, if you, if you are, if you are beholden to anybody else at any point, right, then you don't actually have the level of autonomy that you need to do the things that we want to see done. And so we start with free software because if you don't have anywhere to start at all, then why not start with free software? Um, someone who is, uh, Maria, who's speaking just before us, right, we're saying about, like, you know, why not, you know, learn, you know, the new image, image manipulation program instead of Photoshop? And our point is, yeah, if you don't know how to use Photoshop, then what's the difference, right? You might as well start with the free software thing and you'll be better off for it for many, many, many reasons. Does that make sense? Uh, Angie, uh, if someone has followed the boot flow focusing on employment, how does TLC help reestablish the foundations? <laughs> That's also a great question. So, um, Mostly what that happens, right, what happens is that a lot of people who have come from boot camps tend to sort of ignore our sort of 101 or introductory things. And then what they do is they end up coming to a, uh, a course that's somewhat more intermediate and they realize how over their head, over, you know, over their head, a lot of st stuff has gone, right? And so that's when um, they tend to be like, oh, wait a second, what, 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 what came before this, right? What am I missing here? Um, and, and and then they sort of you know, jump back to some of the earlier earlier topics, um, in part because like when we start talking about computers, we don't start our conversations with bits and bytes per se. We start about we like for example, we have a workshop called um, Taming Daemons, which is our you know introduction to system administration um, um, workshop, and we don't start talking about uh, you know uh, uh, computers as machines. We talk about computers as their like the per what is their purpose? Like why are they here? Right. And for us, that means that they start, we well, start talking about it as a writing instrument. Right. When you write, uh, when you press a, a, a key on your keyboard, K, L, whatever, right, H, T, whatever, um, or another language, if you have a different keyboard, what you are actually doing is inscribing, right, into silicon using a medium, in this case, electricity, right, some physical artifact. That's a change in the physical world, exactly like, you know, uh, leaving a lead mark on paper is a physical change. So you're actually physically leaving your mark somewhere. You're just writing with a different medium. And so the question as system administrators that we should be thinking about, right, is how much do we want to write? How much space will that take? How quickly can we write it? Right. And even before we even talk about computers, you can immediately see the parallel to things like RAM and hard disk size. Right. And so that's where we start. And so those are the kind of things we talk about when we talk about fundamentals, because when you start talking about it in that way, what you end up with is the possibility of affecting sort of this um, transfer of skill across things that are not even computer related. And so it's much more about uh, teaching as much of a philosophy, which is why we call it apprenticeship based in part, as it is a specific technical skill, if that makes any sense. Uh, just three minutes left, so this might be our last question. Uh, okay. How might the support of ecology and environmental fit into that flywheel minute for TLC? So support of ecology. Um, 
I think I need a little bit of clarification about what that means. Do you mean like uh, sustainable um, infrastructure, like solar power, uh, you know, um, arm chips and this kind of stuff, or? That was my assumption from the structure of the question. Yeah, I mean, for us, that's sort of like, I mean, in this, in this sort of, you know, simplistic diagram, that would sort of part, partly be, you know, free software, right? Like we, we need open hardware, open software. Um, uh, you know, we need to be able to actually have, you know, you know, freely accessible designs for all of these things. And of course, all of this is underpinned by like the need to power it, right? So that we actually have to have some energy to power the devices that we're using for this. And that's also, of course, another problem. Um, not to be glib, but that's a little bit outside of the scope of what we're trying to do, um, in part because we see ourselves as trying to start this process. But that doesn't mean, right, that people who are part of our alumni community don't find that interesting. In fact, we were just talking before the live stream started that um, there's a, a, another sort of a, a, a collection of alumni, I'll say, um, in a group called the Solar Punk Magic Computer Club um, that has, um, you can look it up, I think you can just do any internet search, we'll find the Solar Punk Magic Computer Club. Um, and they talk a lot about that kind of more um, literally uh, interweaving of sustainable, ecologically uh, sound principles with modern technology. So that, for example, you know, we're not using Python primarily or only, right, to attack Microsoft Exchange servers, but we're using it to, for example, uh, you know, be partly responsible for helping us um, uh, grow basil that we're going to then use in our, you know, in our, um, in our pasta, because that's how the flower pot works. It has Python code that we can hack on, that we can, that we can modify because it's all free software, that kind of thing. And so that's very, very fun, very cool. And again, it has come out of, right, um, a number of people who have taken classes and courses um, with TLC to get a baseline understanding of a technology that is not inherently then immediately funneling them into a metaphor of, for example, the skeuomorphic, uh, you know, desktop that we have on a computer, right? Like we are use, we're all using desktop environments, but if you look at a laptop, there's no desk in it. You know what I mean? Like this is not a desktop. It's on a desk, but there's no desk in the laptop. So what is that desktop actually? It's a metaphor. And if you start understanding that it's a metaphor, then you can start imagining what else you can do with computers because you begin to use different metaphors to interact and think about what the computer actually is for you. Thank you so much. That is our time. Okay, thank you so much for having uh, us at uh, Libre Planet, and thanks to the FSF and uh, for you uh, to uh, you know, helping us with the slides earlier. Um, we hope everyone will check out techlearningcollective.com. Um, send us, uh, check out the contact page. There's, a, there's an email address there, um, uh, and we have a PGP key uh, as well that you can use if you want slightly more private communication. There's even an Onion site that we, um, that we mirror our, our website to. So um, thanks for coming, and you know, change the world with us. <laughs>